Thanks very much, Will. Um, and, and welcome to both Keith and Will now for questions. Um, just a reminder to put questions into the chat. So the, the first question we have is a kind of a, a comment and then a question. So um, they say that there's not, they are not sure there's value in checking PT-APTT fibrinogen platelet count in patients with liver or renal disease. In chronic liver disease, these tests are often abnormal, but don't predict bleeding. In chronic kidney disease, the tests are usually normal and we even went abnormal, are rarely due to inherited bleeding disorders. Liver guidance documents are moving away from measuring and correcting and will be useful for the BSH guidance to align with those. Do you want to just comment on that, Will? I think whoever said that is a very wise person and I totally agree with them. Okay. And, and can I ask, you said that you were going out to consultation um, at the moment. I don't think this has gone to sounding board yet. Is that no, right? It's, so we thought we'd try we'd try this in the sense that often when you, you, you go to these meetings and you see these guidelines and you're outraged by, by some of the silly suggestions, I wish I, wish I could change them, but it's too late. So th we thought we'd give people a chance maybe to put their oar in now and then it will go to sounding board. And it's also will go to the interventional radiology groups, et cetera, et cetera. They're all waiting for it. Right, so it sounds like it's going to act out quite widely. And I guess just a plea to people that if they are interested, please do sign up to the sounding boards and then you'll get the chance to comment on guidelines like this one uh, very early on. So please do, do do that. I mean, the fundamental aim, I think, is to just, just stop this ridiculous uh, pre-procedure testing that's completely unhelpful and is very disruptive, actually, and interrupts uh, procedures. People's procedures don't get done because they've asked for this INR to be done. Um, if we can stop that and we can stop people getting FFP, I think we've achieved something. You want to maybe just comment on, on your kind of second to last slide about the FFP? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm actually honestly struggling to think of a time when FFP actually will contribute anything at all other than making the person giving it think that they're doing something. I mean, we, we, I'd give it for someone with severe factor five deficiency. I, 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 at that point, I'm, I'm at a loss. This is pre-procedure in non-bleeding patients, obviously. I mean, it, the, 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 the absolute uselessness of FFP is amazing, really, isn't it? And we still give it. Okay, well, interestingly, there, there, there's a comment there just saying um, that the, the questioner fully agrees to not use FFP to correct prophylactically. So maybe there's any dissenters out there, you could let us know. Um, can, can I just ask, is that you've said that the, the bleeding assessment tool isn't censored enough um, and that the patients have to be referred to specialist centres in order to be investigated. But what about the genetic tests? Is there any mileage from people sending those locally? Because obviously they can be sent from anywhere, can't they? Yeah, that's absolutely true. And um, I think if you've got a situation where you're screening someone and you already know uh, say their, their, their relative has been diagnosed and they're a, a first degree relative, then I agree. I think if you know what the pathogenic variant is, then absolutely. But I'd be slightly wary of sending genetic testing without for an index case, basically, because you've then got to match. Well, when we report genetics, we've got to match that really with the clinical phenotype and the laboratory data. And if you separate those two, I don't think it's so easy. So one of the other things the guideline says is that you certainly want to be reporting these things together. And we've you know, that was one of the things we did in thrombogenomics. We, we often had web conferences where clinicians who referred cases dialed in as well, gave us the uh, phenotype and went through it and we came to a decision together. So, but yes, there's certainly a way, yeah. 
can, can I just about we've obviously got quite a global audience um, and people are going to look back. Are there anywhere where that centres or maybe they can't have such good access to some of the platelet tests about what they could do? Is there any advice for them? Well, I think that's quite difficult because um, what we know, unfortunately, is that the screening test that you might use, like a PFA 100, they're fine if you've got a really severe diagnosis like Glanzmann's uh, or Bernard's Celia or a very low platelet count. But really, for the mild bleeding disorders, they're, they're as, about as useful as the FFP that Will was talking about just now. Really not worthwhile because your question is, does this person have a mild bleeding disorder? And a normal PFA doesn't tell you that they don't. So I know it's difficult, but unfortunately, at the moment, we don't have an alternative there. I think what we do have is um, some options for doing, particularly in young children, for doing, we've got that in the table, we've got some uh, options for doing a, a kind of limited panel, if you like, where really you just want to diagnose a severe disorder, but otherwise there, there isn't really an option, I'm afraid, other than referring Thanks. Uh, I mean, there's just one more comment that um, someone's radiologists have introduced a mandatory clotting screen before biopsied and delayed a two-week weight lymph node biopsy. Um, yeah, so any, any final comments on, on that um, from either of you, uh, Will, particularly? I'm just, I'm just speechless. <laughs> okay. This happens all the time everywhere. It's outrageous. Yeah, and I think, I think as haematologists, this is the sort of thing that we really need to push back on because and at the bottom line, I mean, we're the ones who do the coagulation screens. I think we should take control of these and we have to refuse to, uh, you know, play ball with that, with that kind of suggestion. Is it, is it, can I even take the role of the chair here and just read out a question to myself? So uh, the question was, have you had any pushback from other specialties about not checking coagulation? So I, I was the haematologist who uh, wrote the... Um, section on the liver biopsy guidance for the British Society of uh, Gastroenterology and it gave me a little flavor for pushback from interventional radiologists. They were they, they went through sort of the stages of, of, of grief, initially anger and that, but then eventually after much discussion they sort of got towards a degree of acceptance that coagulation tests weren't that useful and FFP was rubbish. So you know, you expect it, but you have to let people, you know, go through it in their minds as they go through their bereavement reaction. Brilliant. Well, thank you both very much. Um, great session. And thank you very much for all the work you do for the guidelines um, committee.